You are listening to the Executive Chess Podcast, Episode 1.1, Unrelenting Persistence for Chess Players. Welcome to Executive Chess with your host, Peter Klein. When you hear the word executive, you may think about somebody in power, senior management, a big corporation. But what I want you to do is think of the adjective executive as someone who has the power to put a plan or course of action into effect. And so we set out to embolden all of us to put a plan or course of action into effect, whether it be over a chessboard, in a business, or in life. That first podcast, Unrelenting Persistence, was set as a mechanism to further our success along our course of action. And if you haven't listened to it, I invite you now to go back to it. But it really is an open letter to chess players about how do I succeed at chess. And if you've been paying attention to some of the other podcasts, you know that we need to take a look at what's behind that question. When somebody asks, how do I get better at chess? Nine times out of 10, they're asking, how do I become higher rated? How do I reach a title? How do I have success in this competitive area? One of the things that you see in popular culture all the time is somebody asking, well, how do I become a singer? How do I become a musician? Well, the answer to that question is fairly easy. Just go and sing, go and play. Play in every uh, restaurant, bar, honky-tonk, if you will, uh, county fair, every opportunity that you can, go and sing. But really what people are asking is, how do I become successful? How do I become a professional? How do I get paid very well? And how do I become famous by being regarded as a great singer? Another good example is running. Uh, If one were to ask, how do I become a good runner? Well, go out and run. Set yourself up a schedule. Go out and run as much as you can, as much as your physical fitness will allow. And then do a little bit more the next week and a little bit more the week after that. But if the question we're really asking is, how do I compete in marathons? Well, now we're talking about a regiment of training in that running. We're talking about uh, marathon event preparation. We're talking about diet and overall physical health. We may have the added feature of equipment that's needed, ways in which we treat our body in order to heal and recover after training and a big event. Success as a marathon runner is dramatically different than just being a good runner that is physically fit. So the first area where there's a great deal of confusion is between the concept of training and competition. And so we're going to focus our question on what do I need to do in order to train, practice, and study in order to improve? In answering this, let's first look at uh, when this same question is asked of very strong players quite often in an interview setting. One of the more common answers is, well, this is what I did. And there certainly is a nostalgic factor. There's a strength of recommendation as from the source of where it's coming from. And it really is a sample size of one, if you will. Uh, A second type of common reply is, 
this is the one thing that you should do. It is stronger than all the others. And they are put on the spot to a degree because they are asked to give an answer that is true for the listening audience in general. And, of course, it's going to be one size fits all. A common variation in this is the perspective or bias, if you will, from another rating level looking down to that other um, level of, of knowledge and a criticism that will arise that uh, the much weaker player doesn't understand openings or they spend too much time on openings and don't understand fundamentals. And these are blanket generalizations across uh, chess in general. A very common variation is where the um, most important thing that somebody sees becomes the only thing. Uh, quite often, a player will tell me tactics are everything. And one needs to spend all their time on tactics. And essentially what they've done is to say that this is very important. And I have lost games because of this one aspect. And therefore, instead of it being 65% of my training, practice, and study, it is now 100%. And of course, the fallacy is that most important doesn't mean everything. There is the variation of study classic games, and you will see model play in action. And as a chess teacher, I wholeheartedly understand the wide wealth of information and excitement within it. Um, one of the challenges that comes up is, are we talking about um, the Renaissance age of chess, like Paul Morphy and Adolf Anderson? We talking hypermodern with Lasker and Capablanca? We talking about Fisher and the Russian school of the 60s and 70s? Or are we talking about Karpov and Kasparov in the 80s and 90s? What exactly classic games are we talking about? And some of them are difficult to dive into. Now, my own personal bias would say start with uh, Morphe and then work your way historically forward and you get an incredible uh, emergence and development of chess through uh, the centuries that is a true uh, wonder be to behold. But that's hardly efficient and hardly a way to start a training regimen, if you will. One of the interesting dynamics that I see in a fair number of chess coaches and strong players is this split between what they advocate as uh, weaker chess players need and what they actually focus a fair amount of their time on or did so along the way. Uh, one of the most common aspects of this is uh, the opening uh, focus and understanding what is being played into the middle game. There seems to me to be a huge gap between what they advocate for uh, younger players and what they actually spend a fair amount of time doing themselves and have done themselves along the way. It raises a really important 
point that just because something is being done in an incorrect fashion doesn't mean that it should be avoided altogether. Just because people go about learning openings in a very poor manner and attempt to uh, memorize the phone book, if you will, to try and drink from the fire hose doesn't mean that area has no place in a training regimen. So what do I do in order to play stronger chess and to have success as an adult improver? It comes back to the mechanism described in unrelenting persistence to identify your strengths and weaknesses at your current level in what chess that you do and turn it into areas of focus that you need to concentrate. Go out and practice, train, study in those areas for your game at that point in time and improve, build on your strengths, raise your weaknesses, and see where that takes you for the next level. One of the sources for discussion that I greatly enjoy is uh, Chess Dojo and uh, Grandmaster Jesse Cry, specifically in the discussions of training and chess improvement and um, training methods that are out there. There are two episodes of Dojo Talk um, from September, one on the 7th and one on the 22nd, where they discuss chess uh, training and ways to improve and laying out different options, different schools of thought, if you will, different factors uh, that I think is really, really helpful. One of the areas in it where I agree with uh, Grandmaster Jesse Cry in general is this idea of analyzing your own games for uh, greater insight. And while I think there's a substantial weight put on just the process of analysis, um, I would suggest that that is a requirement for this mechanism of understanding your strengths and weaknesses and targeting your training and practice to improving those areas of focus that I was discussing. This is really the heart of it. You have to understand in the games that you play in whatever format where you are going wrong, where you are coming off of model play as seen in classic games, where you are missing tactical puzzles uh, and patterns that arise from them, or are failing to calculate, or there's a lack of knowledge in one particular part of the game. Maybe I am getting disappointing games straight out of the opening into an early middle game that are putting me way behind or in a hole, and I need to spend some time on what is the uh, philosophy or ideas behind that particular opening. Maybe I am not seeing... Uh, tactics in any of the games that I play, in which case tactical pattern building 
is helpful. Maybe I am missing checkmates in one or two where I am getting checkmated. That lends itself to uh, pattern space repetition. Perhaps I'm getting middle games where I am playing along and making moves based on the fundamental um, structures that I see, but there is no overall plan or strategic approach. And a series of passive moves uh, results to a deterioration into a loss. Uh, maybe I'm having a f wonderful attack in it, but uh, I, it's not closing. It is not resulting in a checkmate or a win in material. And um, so something in the art of attack for more aggressive play and greater calculation uh, is needed. So this idea of unrelenting persistence in a targeted, focused area gives us the opportunity to pull in those training resources that are applicable to what is needed now, making the most efficient use of your time to improve in those uh, strengths and weaknesses to raise you to a different level. And it avoids blanket sort of approaches where I'm going to go through this book from front to back because it's the latest book that I've grabbed that is, uh, I've made a connection to and something that I've read in the beginning or those approaches which says, I'm going to do this because I have the streak of doing it up until now, or some school of thought says this is how you should train. I'm going to spend massive amounts of time on the end game because that's so very important in chess. But 85% of the games that I play, I'm getting roasted in a late middle game. I'm just not even getting to end games. So any sort of training, any sort of knowledge, any sort of study is a benefit. But for adult improvers, where we're talking about a finite amount of resources, time being the number one resource, it doesn't make as much sense as studying what's needed right now for our current situation and studying what needs to when we get there in our game. One of the benefits of game analysis is not only in understanding the game that uh, we played, but it's really going to give us that insight into where we are, what we want to improve, where we want our game to be in a very real, brutal practical basis and uh, has a strong element that fits in here with self-discovery and empowerment and executing our course of action from the perspective of a big picture. As we move our focus from the micro of training practice and study out to uh, the general improvement uh, one of the important things to appreciate is that most chess players are operating under a false assumption 
that all they need to do is improve or raise their game by a slight 10 or 12% and they're going to jump in levels. And it is true that there are some chess players who are strong in many different um, aspects of the game, but have one or two shortcomings in one particular part, um, whether it be in end games or whether it be in calculation or in their opening knowledge that is holding them back uh, overall. But generally speaking, dramatic improvement requires this iteration of areas of focus, raising you to another level and seeing what is needed there in order to improve. You have to get past the points in the uh, early parts of the game in order to see the vantage point of the next rating level, if you will. Uh, a good rule of thumb is that each rating level is a doubling of knowledge. Go into it with the expectation and time frame that every 200 rating point jump is going to be a doubling of knowledge and skill. I wish you good luck, a rewarding experience, and much enjoyment along your journey. Thank you so much for listening in. Please check out my website at execcess.com or drop me a note at info at execchess.com. I would love to hear how you're executing your plan of self-improvement. This has been Peter Klein with Executive Chess.